Showtime Sports presents Showtime Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Welcome to a special post-fight edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney here in Brooklyn where really the, the whole borough, honestly the entire city is still abuzz with the big news of the evening and that is, of course, the reaction shots of Eric and myself, uh, captured apparently by the Showtime uh, uh, slow-mo instant replay cameras, to Deontay Wilder's knockout of Dominic Brazil. I guess that's actually kind of burying the lead a little bit, actually, given that what we responded to, of course, was an explosive and brief heavyweight championship bout atop uh, Saturday night Showtime championship boxing uh, card. Yep, Deontay Wilder came, he saw, he knocked out Eric. Poor old Dominic Brazil didn't even make it to the end of the first round. No, he did not. Two minutes and 17 seconds in total, the length of that fight, uh, which is why people need things to talk about. Hence, they are a buzz with uh, what apparently, since we still haven't really seen it, uh, right. apparently includes some good mouth agapeness from you. <laughs> Uh, we weren't the only ones in the shot. Uh, just behind us, apparently, Brian Campbell, Dan Raphael. Whatever happened uh, to that well. guy? Uh, kind of a hack. He's right next to you. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Joining us on the podcast to share his reaction uh, is our good friend from CBS, Brian Campbell. Brian, uh, what's your take on the whole thing? Wow. <laughs> there, there it is. Glad you could join us. There right it is. is. Wow. Oh, look. Brian, Brian will be back next week. <laughs> Here's one thing I said heading into this fight. And, and sometimes I make comments like this and people kind of roll their eyes and the pro wrestling inside of me comes out. But I've always said certain athletes fight better when they're mad. Yeah. They fight or they play better when they're angry. Yeah. And you've seen that across any sport at any level. Deontay Wilder fights better yeah. when he is zoned in, focused, and upset, which he was this week. He was in the build to this fight with Brazil. And a couple times ahead of this fight, I said, look, I know when he knocked out Bermain Stavert in the rematch in 2017 in the same building that we're looking at a stationary, bloated Stavern. That's not the best you know, check of competition, but I'll say this. The version of Wilder that night was as scary and evil as I've seen a heavyweight look, mm-hmm. where... I don't care who he was against that night. I feel like he was tracking them down early and getting him out of there. And as we saw, once this fight started to heat up very briefly, I felt like that bronze bomber came out of him again. Yeah, it's one of those things with his power where you you see a shot like that land and you say, if that had been anyone in there, that punch lands, they're not getting up. But And then you backtrack and you say, well, is... Is Brazil just that much easier to catch that clean than some of the other elite guys? But uh, when the punch landed, you know, after we were done, after we'd picked our jaws up and uh, returned our mouths to a normal position, uh, one of the first things you said to me, Kieran, was, did you hear that? Yeah. Uh, That was a punch where the sound of it, uh, the arena had gotten just quiet enough in that moment that when that... Wow, what a crack. The combination of the sound of that punch landing and then the crumpling of uh, Dominic Brazil's body. Those are the that, that's the the noise and the image that yeah. I remember from this fight. Yeah, I mean he was out when that punch landed Dominic Brazil, I think, and he woke up back on the canvas and full credit to him for somehow instinctually managing to just about <laughs> make it to his feet at right. ten and obviously he was in no state to continue even if he had beaten the count. But uh, no it's interesting I kind of would like to follow on from, from, from what Brian was saying and we were even talking, weren't we, during the ring walk about how 
yeah, okay, he's a different kind of character, Dominic Brazil, to Deontay Wilder, but I, I turned to you and I said, you know, he kind of looks Dominic Brazil like a guy who's already lost this fight. He just kind of walked into the ring and just in his, well, here I am, and then in comes Deontay Wilder, and he just had that whole other vibe about him. He did, but I don't know if I'd fully agree on, on the Brazil. Like, I interviewed this week him this week, as a lot of people did. I was almost taken aback at how supremely confident he sounded, and it wasn't the... I'm nervous, so I'm going to add on some some bo- boisterousness. It was sort of just he knows his size, he knows Wilder's deficiencies. He feels like he could have made a good fight in there. But my whole sort of bringing up that point is Wilder's always been learning on the job. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. rightfully at times criticized his technique, his lack of expertise in the actual sweet end of the science, if you will. But it's coming together slowly. If you hang mm-hmm. around long enough against him and you get tired, he's going to make the adjustments. He's going to yeah. figure it out. He's got great stamina. He's got great, uh, obviously, he's got historic power. But what if he is going to figure it out to a level where he can fight, quote-unquote, bronze bomber style in every big fight? Mm-hmm. I know he can't do that against Tyson Fury in round one, so we think. But are we seeing a guy maturing to a level where Prime Tyson came in there to knock you out in the first round no matter who you were. I don't know if Wilder was always looking to be like that as he was sort of safely setting up his jab and sort of setting it up and the power came to him and then he'd stop people when they walked into a shot. If Wilder lets himself loose on the heavyweight division Mm -hmm. at this rate, at this explosive level, he could be that phenomenon we always thought he could be coming in. Yeah, uh, you you mentioned Mike Tyson's name. There, There were conversations going on afterwards Is he the biggest puncher since who? Is he the biggest heavyweight puncher ever? Um, And, of course, it's kind of hard to to judge some of these guys from different eras against each other. But uh, the reason Tyson's name came to my mind was 2 minutes and 17 seconds. It's over. It didn't seem like a single person in the arena was disappointed, upset that they didn't get their money's worth. This is the kind of show that they came to see with Wilder. He excites you. Because you're looking for the ultra-violence, whether it lasts five or six rounds and you really get to see some boxing along the way, or it lasts one round like it did tonight, like it did again in the rematch against Deverne, those sort of fights. And really, since, uh, since the late days of Tyson's career, I feel like the boxing world has been hoping for another Mike Tyson. Will there ever be another Mike Tyson, a guy who's so completely captures the fascination of the mainstream public, the casual sports fan. That Because that's what we've been waiting for. An American heavyweight who can get everyone to pay attention. We really haven't had that since Tyson. Fight. As great as Holyfield is, right. he didn't inspire you in this way and create this kind of buzz. And, and you're right. And it it can for a season look like he could be that guy. And I think Ronda sure, Rousey in UFC right. may have been that for a short season right. as but well. Golovkin is neither American nor a heavyweight. It's just a different kind of thing. If you can find yeah. an American heavy, like Anthony Joshua is huge, not American. Um, that... You know, Wilder still has a little ways to go, but with performances like this, you see that... He's, you may never duplicate what Tyson did because he's not a teenager. And, and right. just that, and, uh, that sort of invincibility. We may, we may never see another fighter that we believe is invincible the way we did with Mike Tyson. But still, he's checking a lot of the other boxes in terms of just like that American heavyweight 
destroyer that we've been waiting for who can make people who's kind of checked out on boxing check back in. And I think a big part of that uh, was the comments he made this week. Exactly. I think this week, yeah. Fight Week, when he made the comments about death and murder and Brazil, tell your family to set their funeral arrangements and I want a body on my record and on and on, we've heard it all. Yes, it was distasteful. Yes, a lot of people have takes on it, but it was really smart from a marketing standpoint. It was a little bit Floyd Mayweather. It was a little bit Crazy Tyson. I think he's getting it all now. Mm -hmm. Just as he's coming into full bloom to be as good as he can be as a complete fighter, which is still raw, mm -hmm. still rely relying on his power to bail him out, but I think he's evolving mentally and physically to where we saw some boring rounds against Luis Ortiz before he figured him out and knocked him out. We saw a lot of tentativeness against Tyson Fury because of the skill on the other side. Right. Wilder may be afraid to really set and pull the trigger in those early rounds. What if he gets to a level of confidence and ability where he's looking to walk down mm -hmm. his toughest opponents early, maybe bloated Stavern and Brazil don't move their head on the level of the ultra elites, but he's evolving into a level of scariness now yep. that it's working from a marketing sense. And I think from a fighting sense, it's going to be hard to favor Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury against him if and when they finally do meet in the ring because he's looking better each fight. Yeah, this is one of those cases, isn't it, where... <laughs> it may very well be a much bigger fight by the time it ultimately happens between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua but you kind of increasingly get the sense that from Joshua's side they may end up regretting it not having taken place already because it was always going to be a huge thing if it had happened in London I mean whatever happens with Anthony Joshua in London but you know Joshua was a much more advanced package than Deontay and, and yeah you know and Don, you know Deontay is uh, putting wrinkles in the way he prepares for his fights as well. So he's, he's sort of having confidence in that ability to really let himself go, but he's also improving things around the edges so that when he does do that, he's not so rough and he's not so raw and he knows exactly what he's doing and he's placing the punches the way he wants to. Uh, you know, I mean, that was the thing when we all watched, we would watch Deontay Wilder and like, wow, the guy can crack, but he can't even fight. Um, yeah. If he can ultimately fight <laughs> as yeah. well as well, Brad. did you see a little wrinkle there? Did you see that uppercut to the yeah. body that he mm -hmm. threw? I think a lot of us are pressed forward. Like, whoa, what, yeah. is, what is that? Look, he's not going to turn into Pernell Whitaker tomorrow, but yeah. Eric, is it, it did tonight at the very least, first round knockout of Brazil, it was very heavily predicted by the, by the betters and the critics and everyone else, but... Did it lead you to believe there's an evolution at place, or was this just the right guy at the right time? Well, I mean, there's certainly a little of the right guy at the right time sort of thing with him, that you get a certain kind of guy in front of him who's going to be there to be hit, uh, and he takes care of business. Um, and, and I want to give a little credit to Brazil before I, I will double back to the oh. question of his improvement, but that, uh, you know, you were saying, Kieran, that Brazil looked beaten on his way to the ring. Brian saying, no, it's more, no, he's just relaxed and, and self-confident. And I think in the way he fought, the fact that he stood right in front of Wilder and was trying to get business done does say to me that he wasn't intimidated by this guy. He was in there uh, believing in himself and trying to win. And uh, the problem is you shouldn't totally believe in yourself to that extent against Wilder. You should be cautious against Deontay Wilder, obviously, if you want to last a few rounds at least. But so then with the point of the improvement of Wilder, I think of the three of us, I probably held out the longest mm -hmm. in terms of uh, being convinced that this, is, this guy is at the elite level. It really took me a while until, uh, really until the Ortiz fight, I was still like fully expecting him to get exposed and, and uh, have, have his downfall uh, be upon us before too long. 
So, yeah, to see his progression, absolutely. From one fight to the next, uh, we've been saying that a lot about, like, Canelo. How, wow, this guy just yeah. keeps getting better yeah. every fight. Deontay Wilder, is it's a whole different sort of thing the, in terms of the package that he brings to the table. But, uh, absolutely, he's getting better every fight. And I think you guys are onto something with just this idea that the longer it goes, the more he shifts from significant underdog against Joshua if it had happened a year or two ago to slight underdog maybe if it happens now to he could be favored in that fight a year or two and it's weird his progression's been so unique in the sense that in the beginning he was answering the negative questions against the Ortiz we were like okay if that turns into a right. fire fight, well, he, he can't have a chin. Because didn't we see him wobbled by a jab against Eric Molina in the past? No, how no. Was he, and look, he showed us obviously that how he won that fight was digging so deep against Ortiz and essentially kind of outlasting him. In the beginning when he's putting away negative stereoty- stereotypes, it's hard to really give him a ton of credit because in reality you're just saying, oh, he's not as bad in this as I thought he was. <laughs> now I feel like he's crossing over into now he's establishing positive stereotypes a little bit. He can do a little bit more boxing than we thought. And... I'm just saying, if I could see him become this early round force, like we saw tonight, mm-hmm. can't do that against every opponent in theory, or can you? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, if if he goes 12 in a rematch with Tyson Fury, I can't see him winning. But what if he goes three with Tyson Fury? Right. And, right. And, and what if he comes at him with that type of ferociousness? I feel like he's just figuring out how good he can be as we are as well. Right. Which raises the question, and we were talking about this on our way here after the fight, um, and Jim Gray, to his credit, pushed him pretty hard in, in a lengthy post-fight interview about what comes next. We all know what the reality is. Anthony Joshua fights in a couple of weeks. Uh, Tyson Fury a little bit after that. Everybody's with their own networks. Um, Deontay didn't seem to give the impression himself that he thought it was going to be next. Good things come to those who wait. So let's just assume the reality is what we think the reality is, that it'll probably... One of those fights may happen at some point, but not next. Probably not after that. If you're Deontay Wilder, now how do you go about maximizing what you are developing for yourself? You suggested, do you make sure that you're the guy who fight does like Golovkin, follows exactly. the Golovkin model? Just it doesn't matter who you fight, just fight someone every couple months. And if you knock him out, you knock him out. That's great. And that works so well for Golovkin, of course. Is that what Deontay needs to I do? I think he, he needs to because what, what Deontay, I'm sorry, what Gennady thrived in that was he was always right around the corner from another fight. So he was always in your face. And if you're a casual fan, in your public consciousness yeah. and people saying, you know about this Kazakh Tyson? Like this guy's yeah. coming. And you're going to fill your reg- your cash register consistently doing that. And I think his, his star is only going to get brighter. And he showed me in this build, and I'll go back to the well on that again with those death comments. I, you know, I didn't like it, but it really got attention to the fight. Sure, Just right. like Bernard Hopkins ahead of the Sir- right. Sergey Kovalev fight 2014, bringing up race. Right. It's strategic, and it makes it happen. If he's making headlines on this consistent level and blowing out the mid-tier heavyweights and doing so, we may end up getting... The Fury and Joshua fight sooner because then his star power will be up to the level it needs to be because if we're honest, if we're being really honest, on a worldwide level and especially inside the States, Wilder's star power is not what it, where it could have been, should have been, and not on the level of the fame that Fury and Joshua have in their own home nation. Right, right. Yeah. but it, it's potentially getting there. I think a night like tonight where it seemed like everyone in the sports world on social media was replaying was mm-hmm. showing a, a clip of that knockout. 
uh, unfortunately not apparently hanging around long enough to show our slow-mo, <laughs> our reactions in the slow-mo, which I still haven't seen. Uh, but um, I, I think in terms of where he goes from here, he could bridge the gap a little bit between what you're saying of just get back in the ring and keep knocking dudes out, whether they're qualified to face you or not, versus the other extreme of get in the ring with Joshua or Fury. Those are the fights that matter. The sort of middle ground is the guy who joined him in the ring after the fight, and that's the rematch with Luis Ortiz, and it feels like that's where we're headed, that that's the next biggest fight that can be made for him outside the big three. That first fight, he was in some trouble in that fight and had to really dig deep and rally to knock him out. Uh, Part of me thinks that maybe this is a case like the Stavern situation where, uh, yeah, the first one wasn't so easy. The next time, he's just going to blow right through him. If he does, that makes a great statement. But uh, would you guys agree that that's probably the most likely Mm -hmm. next step is that we're going to see Wilder Ortiz too? It feels like it. I mean, just the very fact that Ortiz was in the ring afterwards um, you know, suggests that there's a, he wasn't just getting in the ring because he was lost on his way to the bathroom. He was <laughs> there was there was obviously the a, bathroom was really easy to find. It was exactly yeah, there was place is well set up. Yeah, he has got hit in the head a lot, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it makes sense that there would obviously be a, a plan afoot. That it's a fight that makes a lot of sense, and again, it still has that element of danger. To get back, Brian, to what you were talking about, it it has that. Well, okay, so Deontay's look great. Is he actually that? great or is it these guys he's been facing what happens when he faces this guy again and right, then if he you, does do like you said right. blows through him a second time and then, well you know, then and yeah. a, a skilled crafty southpaw who can bomb yeah. that yeah you get in there and take care of that guy inside of three rounds yeah uh, you're, you're really because there's thankful. a certain narrative from that first fight in that I don't know what those judges were watching, but everyone that was watching it on our end, sort you know, from the critics end sort of thought Wilder was down on all should have been right. down on all three scorecards at the point of that stoppage and he really only won because, in some cases, he outlasted Ortiz and just had the right. bigger weapons there. Ortiz got close to dropping and or stopping yep. him, but it didn't happen. So I think in your mind, when you look at the PBC cupboard, really, Ortiz is still the sexiest option yeah. to make a fun fight mm-hmm. in which you can show the highlights from the first one and show how close Ortiz was and play up that narrative of how close he really was. Yeah, he's a little bit older. He's pushing 40. Still bang. We've seen him you know, destroy the mid-level guys. And I think number two, if you really dig deeper on Wilder's comments over the past six months, he actually really likes Luis Ortiz. Mm-hmm. He respects mm-hmm. the, the synergy that they have in their stories of having daughters that are ill right. and in fighting to take care of that. I think he wants to give mm-hmm. Luis Ortiz this payday, this opportunity. He respects him as a man. So if you look at the other options, I mean, I'd like to see Adam Konachki. That could be a little fun bingo there. But there's sure. nothing else that jumps out at you. Right. Because Fury and Joshua are up here and everybody right. else is yeah, far away. Right, and eventually maybe Usyk enters that mix, but we, for now he's recovering from an injury and right. hasn't even fought at heavyweight at all yet. So yeah, absolutely. The, the Ortiz is uh, of the second-tier guys. He, he's the guy that kind of makes the most sense next. Uh, the one thing on this fight that we haven't talked about yet that I think is very important is to talk about how freaky it was watching those contortionists lead uh, Deontay Wilder into the ring. <laughs> I, I couldn't even look. The guy's like bending his arm completely yeah. behind his back. Uh, I, I, I don't handle that stuff well. Right. 
Right. I, I was just happy well to get rid of the uh, eyes wide shut mask. I don't know what he's wearing now. Some weird half bird, half king. Setup I just said that. to Eric, I was so glad. I so nearly wore that outfit ringside myself. And boy, would I have looked stupid. <laughs> I want to know who's wearing his mask right now. What sex party are they at right now? By the way, did you see the end swell that Gary Russell yes, was using on his, on his brother? brother on the that was straight yeah. out of the uh, Tom Cruise Kidman uh, handbook as well. Right? <laughs> And perfect transition to Excellent. the co-feature, Brian. It's like you're a professional podcaster right, or something, exactly. Brian. So, uh, yeah, should we talk about uh, Gary Russell Jr. and Kiko Martinez? Uh, lasted longer than the main event, but uh, similarly one-sided and brutal as Gary Russell Jr. took care of business with a stoppage at the end of the fifth round. Uh, via Technically via cut, but uh, basically via... Kiko Martinez had taken a beating and yeah. they were going to stop that thing pretty soon one way or the other uh, and it, did we did we learn anything about Gary Russell Jr. in this fight? Just that apparently the guy just doesn't have ring rust it, you know, he can go a, a year that's, between that's a fights point, yeah. and he can come right back with perfect reflexes and amazing timing and fantastic hand speed uh, we discussed in the preview that we we did not think that Kiko Martinez was going to be a very good challenge for Gary Russell. He was the perfect kind of guy. He does he's the put his head down and try to barrel towards you and push you up against the ropes kind of guy. And he works against other guys who do that. But against somebody like Gary Russell, it was always going to be uh, unpleasant. And uh, Russell was completely dialed in. He, you would not have imagined that he had been a year out of the ring and that right. before that he'd been a year out of the ring and that before that he had been a year out of the <laughs> ring. And as wonderful as it is to us, Gary Russell Jr., and as much as we love having him on our podcast, he has right. like our new BFF, how much better would it be to see him? Oh, let me throw a random figure out here. Twice a year. Um, <laughs> so, so, I mean, I don't know. You I think it's funny. Say. You said, what did we learn? We learned nothing because in the ring he looked as good as he has looked since losing to Lomachenko. And he's bounced back yeah, great right. and he looks great every year when you see him. <laughs> I think the only thing that's changed is him persona-wise. And I think it's fantastic because the right. narrative has been, let's look at our watch and crack a joke that it's once every 365 <laughs> days. Right. Yet he spun the narrative around in the build-up to this fight and basically was like, hey guys, you think I'm avoiding Leo Santa Cruz? Right. No, it's the other way he's avoiding me. No, honestly, do oh, I believe that? Right. I don't know. But when you get a white t-shirt airbrushed on the back for this fight that he wore in the post-fight interview that basically said what? Le- it's a, Leo next, what's up, Al? And Al being <laughs> yeah, uh, Al, Heyman. Uh, Al Heyman, of course. Yeah. I, was, I thought it might have been Al Jarreau at first, but no, that, right. that was really Al Heyman. By the way, uh, his, the smooth... like. Tone of uh, Gary, Mr. Gary Russell. Mr. Mr. It, it's almost very like, uh, oh, it is. like uh, you know, give Teddy Pendergrass. Where am I going? <laughs> yeah, right, uh, right, sure. Luther. I mean, come on. Right, okay, all right. Anyway, my point is this: um, he, I think, you know, he's turning thirty-one soon. He mentioned in that great podcast interview you had with him. He's got six kids now. He's got the twins. I think he's realizing it's go time in his yeah, career. Yeah. Let me build out my legacy. Let me now get close to those big money fights. And I like the comments he made, which is if I can't get Leo. I'm moving up to 130, right. and I'm coming after Gervonta. And if you read some and of those, he also threw out Burchelt's name. He I did. Think I heard him say and it. if you read some of the Gervonta comments he gave this week, it was he knows I'm coming for his ass. <laughs> hey Gervonta, I thought you were from Baltimore. I thought that meant something that you were you were tough. Hey, stop hiding behind Floyd. Hey Leonard Ellerby, make this fight. I mean, come on, wow. DC against Baltimore. I mean, it's I mean, you match up the styles in these two softballs. Yeah. Athletic, yeah. both can pop. That's magic, right yep. there. All right, yep. this ain't Kiko Martinez, right? No, this ain't Wash Danny Gill. 
Wait, what? Hold a whole whole different fighter. I made that mention because we were just on the street corner in Brooklyn. I swear that was Wash Gill next to us. With the white pants, very Boutte style. Definitely was not Gill. But he had a bit of an air of Wash Gill about him. I'll give you that. Um, But uh, you you sent me a great uh, DM in response to listening to the interview. Uh, You mentioned his kids. Was that the pic I sent you or the... the, the, the... No, no, no. no, no. The picture never happened. happened. So uh, you mentioned his kids and uh, how we've both enjoyed finding out that he named the twins Layla and Ali, a boy and a girl. Uh, you you had a great uh, c- counter suggestion. Yeah, know, I mean, you know. what was uh, Anne and Wolf taken? Right. I mean, come on. Nice. <laughs> or, and nice. then I think Christy and Martin could be a boy girl or twin. Hillary and Swank. Are you can, you're million dollar babies? Come on, you know. Yeah, there you go. A lot, a lot of good options. Hopefully, oh, the first half of the movie, not the second, though. Yeah. Right. Oh, Terry. Too soon? You, even the first half's a little overrated, frankly. It's really the worst movie that ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so I think that indicates that we've said all we need to say <laughs> exactly. about Gary Russell Jr., uh, which leads us to the opener on the show, uh, Juan Geraldez versus Arjenis Mendez. Uh, I predicted uh, Geraldez by majority decision. Kieran said unanimous decision. Neither of us gets any no. points at all because it was officially a draw, which is exactly how both of us had yep. in 95-95. Yep, yep. Geraldez has nobody but himself to blame because he completely gave away that 10th that and final round. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I thought we. I think we both felt that it was kind of nip and tuck for the first five or six rounds or so. I, I had it three apiece after six. Araldes appeared to be completely getting a hold of it in seven and eight. Uh, had he continued that way for the final couple rounds, he, he would have uh, he, he would have pulled out the win. Obviously, yeah. In round nine, Mendes wanted to make one last stand, and then Araldes just. You mentioned he looked. He appeared to be boxing Araldes in that tenth round as if he felt he had right. several points. Right. In it, was, the it, back. Was, it was a little bit of De La Hoya Trinidad uh, yeah. ending, and he, just just and for one round, but still, he clearly was not that far ahead. If no, he was ahead, if he was ahead at all. So, and it was it's an odd kind of fight. Like you know, previewing it, uh, I'd said that I didn't think it was going to be a very good fight or a very exciting fight, and it, and it wasn't a, an exciting fight, but it was one of those that was oddly skillful and tense. I mean, it had moments. It had moments. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, like there was a, a lot of skill going on in there. There was a lot of. It wasn't the, a barn burner of a bout, but there was stuff going on. All well, the, the problem time. for Araldas was... was the moments that we had were basically him trying to catch up to Mendez being bold. Mendez, I, I'll give him credit. Uh, I would have maybe predicted he gets stopped in this fight, and he just has a way of being a veteran and lingering. And he would come out and let his hands go and really back up Araldas, forcing Araldas to come back with some hard corner shots. The only thing was it wasn't. The clear-cut best work of the round. A lot of times he was mm-hmm. rallying just to even out what Mendes had done, and you certainly see that play out on the scorecards yep. in the end. Yeah. Uh, officially, the scores were two scores of 95-95, and a uh, somewhat surprising card, 97-93, in favor of Mendes, um, which was a, a, a little bit of a surprise there. But there were some, some close rounds that, that were tough to score. But, yeah, there were moments of excitement, and there were a few rounds that I thought Mendes was kind of doing mostly what he wanted to do and had slight edge, but Geraldes would land like right. one big punch in right. a round, and, and that would lead me to, to give it to Geraldes. But yeah, again, just a complete, as you said, miscalculation in the last round to really be on his bike the whole time. The biggest pop that that fight got was midway through when Floyd Mayweather took his ringside <laughs> yeah, seat. Yeah, and yeah. suddenly people on Twitter are debating, does he look washed to you? Is he washy? What, I don't know. I don't, maybe it was, was a that, comment on his fashion. On that was going on Twitter. I don't oh, know if it was fashion, a comment. Uh, has never, has always been washed. Yeah, it's been washed for a long time. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, okay. Uh, shall we? Uh, shall we move along to a few uh, news items uh, before we uh, call it a podcast? Also, give one final because oh. I can't. I can't finish without giving yet another Mr. Gary Russell Jr. mention. Okay. Wins the co-main. Chief second in the ring with one brother. Mm-hmm. I think possible. Well, I missed. Maybe he was also for the yeah, other brother. He? Could be. Um, I mean, who is, like, we talked about how chill he was before the way and how chill do you have to be. Like, I always thought it was great when Miguel Cotto would come out and watch fights on the undercard right. with his, you know. But to actually, like, yeah, I'm going to go to my brother's corner. Right. Yeah, I don't have to be in the ring for another half hour. I'm good. <laughs> so that was that was. And what was with his re-entrance? There was a boy and a drum and there was... Oh, yeah. and his, You know what his outfit reminded me of a little bit? Wilt Chamberlain in Conan the Destroyer. Oh, right, that was that was kind that's of the a deep look cut that, rest, well, yes. Listen, that's, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I think you know it's my like last week I somehow managed to talk for about three minutes about a fight that lasted a minute and a half. And here we've gone like thirty some on on combined what apart from that first fight, a combined what, six rounds of boxing there? That's pretty impressive. Right. Pretty yeah. Impressive. Yeah. We did all right. Well we we couldn't have done it without Brian, of course. Uh, um, but okay, so we'll hit quickly hit on a few things before we go since we are not planning to do a uh, our standard Monday podcast this week. Okay. We'll take care of some Monday business. One news item for this week of note uh, is that uh, Michael Conlon uh, has signed for a rematch with Vladimir Nikitin uh, whose name may not mean much to you in terms of as a pro. He's just 3-0 and with no knockouts. Uh, but if you know the name, it's because he is the guy who got the very controversial decision in the Olympics over Conlon that led to the famous middle finger shot that has become Conlon's pretty much his entire <laughs> right. personal the marketing best, branding. Best thing move. that ever yeah. happened to Mickey yeah. Conlon. So they're set for August 3rd in, in Belfast. Uh, so there'll that'll be a rematch uh, and he, uh, and I assume neither of you has seen Nikitin fight as, as a, a pro. pro. I uh, have not. No. Um, but uh, I, I assume we all approve of it in terms of a fight to get him some attention. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, he'll be bringing different judges this time around. I suspect <laughs> you would think so. But yes. <laughs> um, also, in action this weekend, there were uh, two World Boxing Super Series uh, semifinal fights. Uh, Naya Inoue, the monster. Looked like a monster. Uh, oh, if not, if not for Deontay Wilder, he might have been the monster wow. of the weekend. But uh, instead, Deontay Wilder st- uh, stole that crown by taking care of business in one round. You know, he did it in two against Emmanuel Rodriguez. Uh, He's. I don't know what else to say other than that he is scary. And uh, you have been right all along, Kieran, to worry about Nonito Donaire getting Oof. to the finals against this guy. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I think I might uh, go all uh, Tonya Harding on him and like whack his knee during training camp or something, Nonito, so he doesn't have to go through the fight. Through the fight, it's. Uh, I mean, he he talked a good game in the ring afterwards, but. I mean, you know, Rodriguez is a good fighter, and I thought he did quite well in that first round. And but once Inoue got dialed in, and that left hook to to like. Drop a guy like that with a hook and then drop him hard again with a body shot. I yeah. mean, who does yeah. that? that body, and boy, the pain on his oh, face when that goodness. body shot landed. Yeah. Um, and that was on the same card. Uh, there was a 140-pound semifinal fight uh, setting up the winner to face Regis Progre. Uh, it was uh, Josh Taylor? Is that his yes, first name? So. Okay. I didn't have his first name written down. I was having one of those moments where I yeah. thought it was Josh, but I was questioning Good. myself. Josh Taylor uh, over Ivan Branchik. Unanimous decision, uh, 117-109, two scores of 115-111. Pretty good, fun fight where Taylor scored uh, a couple big knockdowns uh, that gave him a 10-7 round and uh, were kind of 
the the difference ultimately because Baranchik rallied late to make yep. it seem closer than it really was. Yeah, I had it. I had it sixteen ten, and that's only because Baranchik took those last couple of rounds, at which Taylor sort of semi took off. Right. Uh, Good entertaining fight, I thought. Quite and enjoyable. Of, and of course, uh, Brian was uh, working the streaming undercard uh, for for Showtime, so uh, he uh, presumably has seen none of these fights since Brian mostly doesn't watch boxing anyway, in ca- unless he absolutely needs to. But no, uh, big, you you were working and unable to watch uh, those particular big kickboxing fans. fan, though. Sport of the future. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, was say anything? Yes. Yes. All right, there we go. Uh, so we'll wrap up just by uh, noting the fights that are coming up next weekend. Nothing huge. Um, we'll run down all of these and sort of throw out the general uh, anything you want to comment on question we have. Uh, on, these are all on May 25th from Kiss- Kissimmee, Florida, uh, which reminds me once I was on a bus with my brothers uh, and we were doing Disney when I was a teen and the bus was going either to or from Kissimmee and there was a an extremely inebriated guy on the bus who every time they said kissing me, he would just yell, kiss my ass! <laughs> so there's my anecdote about kissing me. I thought you'd appreciate that. Uh, so from kissing me uh, on ESPN, Masayuki Ito versus Jamel Herring for a 130-pound belt. Uh, the same day from Biloxi, Mississippi on FS1, Austin Trout against Terrell Gachet, uh, junior middleweight. And uh, on the zone from Oxon Hill, Maryland, uh, Devin Haney against Antonio Moran, uh, and also Michael Hunter, uh, whose name was in the news recently because we thought he might get the Anthony Joshua shot. He didn't. Uh, he's taking on Fabio Maldonado. Anything jump out at you there, Kieran, that you're particularly looking forward to? Well, I'm going to miss them all because I'm going to be on a plane going to Europe. But um, <laughs> were I not, I think Trout Gaucher still interests me. I mean, both those guys have been around a while. Uh, I, I'd probably check that one out. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of curious to continue to study the progress of Devin Haney, who, you know, it's kind of interesting. He's one of those guys who clearly has talent. Does he have it, that thing, to actually take him up that whole extra level, which is where he clearly feels he belongs? Um, That's a question that I think remains to be answered. We thought it would be answered on Showtime. It's going to be uh, answered a little bit more on on DAZN, and that's going to be the first step for him. In, uh, in in his progress. And speaking of uh, trying to jump in, Trout Gaucher, if you want to get fired up for that fight, you should watch the PBC face-to-face interview episode. I heard the the host low-key has a big hog, so you should really get behind <laughs> that, all right? Uh, yeah. there you go. And we almost made it to the end without something that we would have to consider cutting. It'll stay in. It's showtime. You know, I think I think it's okay, but, uh, oh, BC, you came so close. But, yes, Brian is the host of that uh face-to-face show, uh, so Trout, Gachet, so that, that, that's a good one. We got some fireworks there. For a fight where you're not sure if it's going to be a technical type affair or they're going to throw hands, they threw words, all right? They okay. threw words. They threw words. All right. There we go. Okay. As did we. <laughs> done, everyone done throwing words, would yeah. we say? Okay. I think so. Well, there you have it. Uh, as mentioned, uh, we will uh, be recording... Uh, next week's podcast a little bit early because I have some travel. I should be flying away to Europe and so missing the upcoming fights. But uh, jet setting Kieran. But we will so therefore we're probably not gonna we're not gonna have the opportunity to talk uh, in our next podcast about next week's fights, but we will address them subsequently. What we will be doing, however, we've talked about it already. We will be previewing Anthony Joshua taking on Andy Ruiz as he attempts to come up with some kind of answer. To what Deontay Wilder did here in Brooklyn tonight. Uh, so thank you very much indeed for listening. Thanks for listening to all our 
uh, fight week podcasts building up to this Wilder Brazil fight. We will be back to look at another heavyweight fight. Until then, thanks for listening.